Hey, this is Josh Brown, host of the New Songs Podcast. In the studio today, I have two very good friends of mine and two very talented people in the area, Miss Melanie and Fate McAfee. Um, awesome. I don't know if I pronounced that name right, the last name. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. Okay, McAfee. All right. So um, anyways, they're in the studio today. I'm going to kind of pick their brains on what they're doing right now and talk about uh, their previous works, um, how they got influenced to even play music or what their first musical instrument was or anything like that. But we're just going to kind of skate, you know, skate the uh, the boundaries of music and everything else. So uh, without further ado, Fate and uh, Melanie, how are you guys doing? Good. Thank you for having us on. Yeah, not a problem. I appreciate you guys taking time. I know you guys are super busy and you uh, were touring and everything, and we'll talk about that. So what I want to get into is uh, I'll, I'll direct it at you first, Melanie. Um what was the first aha moment for you to want to play music or what artists or instant that made you want to do it? Yeah, I was always a musical kid and I would sing along to my favorite cassette tapes all the time and would perform in front of my parents and their friends. Uh, and my brother, my older brother, he's 11 years older than me and he's a guitarist and he played all throughout high school. So I grew up going to his like scuzzy DIY high school punk shows oh, and goodness. um yeah I started taking piano lessons when I was seven or eight and I had a terrible attention span but I learned enough about playing that I just kept with it so it's really been a constant did you do vocal before you did an instrument well, I did, so, like, piano technically were my first lessons, right. but, um, yeah, I studied voice from the seventh grade to when I graduated college. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, and so what was the, um, what was the first, uh, I guess, guitar that you got? Well, we're, so, Fate knows the model. Can you, it was oh. a Yamaha. yeah. I feel like you. I feel like you originally played on your dad. Oh yeah, no, that's yeah. true. So my my dad was sort of like vaguely musical. He had an acoustic guitar in high school, but he didn't really keep up with it. And the right. the neck was cracked real bad, but not quite enough that you know you couldn't play it. Probably just was terrible for the the tuning and intonation. But um, so yeah, I played on that for maybe six months or so, and then. December of 2016, I think, um, maybe of 15, and then the start of 2016, I got my first Yamaha, just a good old starter guitar, acoustic electric, hmm. and kept that for a while, still have it. Yeah, I think the uh, the first one I had was a, someone put it together, and my grandparents, um, nice. whose house we're in, uh, they went and got it at a flea market. And because uh, I was playing piano at the time, so I was like, well, I don't want to do that anymore. I want to play guitar. I want to play a cooler instrument, or, you know, quotes. No one saw my air quotes, but you guys saw. Yes. Uh, but anyways, I wanted to do that. So they sent that to me with an old amp. And I'll have to show you that, Fate. It's in the living room. Nice. But yeah, it's my old my old amp and everything like that. And then I was playing that. But it was just oh, it was rough. Mm. But I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And the first guitar I ever got, um, I, acoustic guitar, was was here. Uh, mm -hmm. which was a um, uh, Samick, which nice. I still have. It's downstairs. Cool. Fate, what was your first one? My or, first, what, uh, what the whole uh, musical thing, the experience that made you want to do music? Oh, um, 
Well, I got interested in playing guitar um, when I was, oh, probably 13 or 14, you know, and would sort of, my parents would keep this old washburn in their closet. It was like a hand-me-down, and I would sneak it out and practice when no one was around, and I'd put it up real quick before they came back because I was all embarrassed about, like, sounding bad, you know? (laughs) Right. It's ridiculous, you know, but it's just a paranoid Mm -hmm. feeling. So it was a weird start to it, honestly. Um, And I ended up kind of sticking with it a little bit and got really into some songwriters in high school and started learning, you know, covers and all that. Um, And then, yeah, I think I was probably 17 or so, 18 maybe, when I bought my Ayers that I have now. Um, It's a... Really, really nice OM style sitting there. Oh, yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. But yeah, I got it from a pawn shop for like 300 bucks probably 12 years ago. Yeah. Dude, that's killer. So what was the, uh, let me ask you this, Melanie. So what was the, what was the first like band that kind of did it for you? Or singer-songwriter or yeah. whatever solo act that did it for you? Honestly, I, and it's funny because I don't play music currently like this, but I was really about Joan Jett when I was younger and the Donnas. Okay. And I thought it was very, very cool that ladies could rock out like that. Um, So that was like the first female in music idea, like, oh, this would be sweet type of thing. Um, And then when I first started on guitar, it was artists like uh, Karen O, her Crush Songs Mm -hmm. album. Mm -hmm. From the yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And like early Lana Del Rey, Joni Mitchell too was was an influence. She was, you know, above and beyond what I was able to get was, to starting. Yeah, out, but I was going to say I would I would to piggyback off that I would say Joni Mitchell, Joan Baez. Oh yeah, th- that kind of vibe. Yeah. Sorry, continue. Go ahead. No, I discovered um, Joni Mitchell before Joan Baez, and I uh, realized. I was doing a project for a music class, and that's when I learned about Joan Baez, and they were you know, labeling her, rightfully so, as the queen of folk. I'm like, why don't I know this person if she's mm-hmm. the queen of folk? Um, yeah, started listening to them, and really the whole like 60s folk revival movement. Ah, yeah, yeah. the, yeah. Old, the uh, Pete Seeger and mm-hmm. the old Greenwich Village yeah, stuff. Yeah, for Great sure. Great documentary on that, I'll have to send you. Um, yeah. Cool. Really, really awesome. Uh, what was yours? What was the artist that did it for you? Um, I I grew up listening. My parents would listen to like John Prine and Neil Young and Bob Dylan and stuff. So mm-hmm. I kind of had that taste for songwriting even before I knew what they were saying. Like I was drawn to that kind of music pretty pretty early on. I can understand that. Van Morrison was one that was regularly played in my house with Neil Young, specifically the Harvest uh, record. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably one of my favorite Neil Young records. Uh, obviously, the Beatles were spun, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but all of those things. Um, so how did you um, get to kind of go out and play music live? Where did that kind of, where did that bug get you? Yeah, that started in 2016, so the way it is now, you know, that style of performance. I had maybe a 30-minute set at Gigabyte's Cafe in Murray, you know, RIP. I think they went out of business Mm -hmm. (laughs) a year later. I I believe I remember that because I worked there. Yep. Yes, I remember that. So that was my very first show, Um, and then it was 
nice because Murray was so welcoming to someone who's very much spring green, you know. So I got to play a Terrapin and uh, Mr. J's too. Jimmy was always real nice about letting me play. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was, I'd always been a performer, um, but getting to transition into like, oh, I don't have to be in a musical or a choir concert to perform. I can perform my own music. That was around that time. I do understand that because I played in bands, mm-hmm. uh, and playing in bands was like I could just fade into the shadow yeah. and just play guitar because I wasn't on the mic, and no one ever asked me like, "Do you know how to sing?" And I could sing, but they never would let. Don't give that guy a mic. Mm-hmm. They'd be like, "Don't give him a mic." It's the guitarist. Yeah, he just <laughs> yeah. plays. Shut him up. So, but then when I was like, you know what, I don't want to do bands anymore, and I want to see if I can do this by myself, yeah. and that was a scary feeling for mm-hmm. me to just be on myself playing music mm-hmm. and then when i did a couple of shows and the first show that i played with uh was with micah at the redwood festival that they played and i said do you mind if i open and they were like um sure yeah okay and then i played and everybody was like man you should like do this and that was what what was that kind of like affirmation where someone said hey you should probably do this like this fits for you yeah i feel like um I played a show at the Apple uh, with Shannon Vetter and Jake Siener was on bass. And that was one of the first times that, you know, I played like a full hour or something. and uh, Serious, serious. Serious, yeah. I know, a full <laughs> 60 minutes. Um, and that, after a few 30-minute sets, like getting to be on more bills like that, I was like, maybe maybe this will work out. You know, I thought it was kind of, when I first started, the idea of playing music regularly on the weekends was, it seemed like a pipe dream. Like, no, that's not going to happen, you know? Uh, And it did. And it was very cool. And uh, do you know how many shows you've done since then? Ballpark? Yeah, I know, right? When you start counting it out, because, you know, I've been playing in Murray for the last probably 20 years. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. But what, yeah. just ballpark it. What do you think? Ballparking, mm. like a real, real, I'm trying to think like 52 weeks in a year. <laughs> yeah. So maybe like probably since 2016, like four or 500. I don't know. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. That sounds about yeah. right. Yeah. Mm, somewhere yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, same question for you, Fate. What, um, what was it? Sorry. It's been a minute. <laughs> um, it was just talking about like when uh, like you actually went on stage and mm. just thought, hey, I can do this too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, you know, it usually takes somebody kind of close to you to give you the confidence you need to start trying. Abs- absolutely, you know? yeah. So that for me was my sister. It was like, you could, you know, you have a nice voice. You can sing. And I felt decent about playing guitar at that point, you know. Probably more confidence than I should have had. <laughs> you know, vocally, it was different, you know. So right. to hear that felt nice. Yeah. And then going to the open mics at the Olive that Sophie Woods was running. Um, yeah. And getting a God kind of bless a, her, man. She oh, got yeah. a lot of people out of their comfort, or you know, brought them into oh, yeah. like yeah. A, a sense of like, hey, you know, you got a bear hug here, man. You're good. You're in a safe place to do this. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah no, so. she's yeah, she's, queen of the uh, scene. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. She's been at the mm-hmm. you know pretty much every band that's come out of Murray for the last you know, 15 years or so mm-hmm. has some connection to her, mm-hmm. you know, in some kind yeah. of way, somebody... And know, Tim yeah. Payton. 
Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a full oh, yeah. circle. It really it's is. It's really neat. Yeah, we're lucky to yeah. have both of them. Mm-hmm. So you played so you played there at open mics, or was that your first kind of like... Yeah, no, I played open mics for a little bit. I got booked at the Apple okay. before I even had a PA. So <laughs> I used a PV Classic 50 head oh, and two wow. cabinets and ran them in stereo yes. left and right. Yep. It was atrocious, but it was fun. <laughs> and I brought some... Like some of my friends and family, not very many people, but you know, we had a good time. It was just, you know, I think I'd always worry whether or not I should be up there. You know, there's part of you that's always like, well, I don't know, you know, is it is it warranted? You know, is it good enough to be up here? Kind of thing. I think that's natural to have that thought in the back of your head sometimes. I, f- I feel that like when you when you play a show and promoter or the bar owner he gives you money for playing and you go, oh, that's right. Like, I would have done this for free, you know, for yeah. fun. But yeah. that's right, you're paying me. And then, you, yeah, that thought goes, I don't even think it was that good. Like, you start second-guessing <laughs> yourself. Like, you know what? That last song, it was garbage. I shouldn't have played <laughs> yeah. that, you know. But but you try. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. the important thing is that you get out there and do it. And you do connect with people sometimes, you know. And that having, like, a genuine reaction from an audience that enjoyed an original song is the turning point. That is, you know, when things started to change and you're like, oh, maybe I, you know, maybe I could do this, you know, regularly. Well, I would sidebar and say, I love your original stuff. Well, thanks, man. Uh, and I love mm-hmm. your original stuff as well, Melanie. Thanks. You guys write very poignant, poetic things. Uh, me, I just write bar songs. Uh, and, and you kind of great songs. You kind of go with what you know. And I, I don't, I never had a real artistic way of like looking at things. See, I, I'm going to ask, and this is going to be a segue into a question I'll ask you. The way that I write music, I and I've told Stephanie this, I write the the name of the song, and I build the song off of the name. Hmm. It's probably a lackluster, silly way to do it, well, but how, how do you do it, Millie? So sometimes I have a like running note in my phone right now of <laughs> random just like one sentence that makes no sense at all just a line just, yeah, yeah or just like an idea yeah i've tr- i'm trying to be better about that cuz i'll always have those ideas and i'll be like oh remember it and then i never ever ever do um but it'll start most of the time as like free form poetry i have these certain rhyming cadences i'll naturally fall into um and sometimes the poem falls out in the format of a song, and sometimes the poem has a certain couplet that I really like, and then I turn that into into the music. I don't often start with like a lick, you know what I mean, on the guitar, because I feel more comfortable. The music writing comes and second. Yeah, the yeah. music comes second for me. Mm-hmm. I, I get the lyrics and then build the song to it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So I understand. What about you, Faith? How do you how do you go about it? It depends. Yeah, I think maybe some of mine start more guitar oriented, where I'll have like a picking pattern, and I'll find a melody in that, uh-huh. and be like, "All right, so let's follow that," you know, and and kind of build on it from there. Um, but you know, it really just depends. And I think that you know, I'll, I'll go through kind of dry spells where I'm not writing very much, and then whenever I really break through. It's like you really need to write, you know? And I think that comes across in the song sometimes. I feel like there's a couple I've written recently where there's like a sense of urgency to it, you know? And I think that comes from, you know, really just trying to get it out, 
you know. And so if I can do it all in the moment, writing the music and the lyrics, I try to do that. When you talk about dry spells, I know what you're talking about. See, you know, you, when you get that moment, that like inspiration to do it, you'll knock out two songs. You won't even think about it. Just be dribble that turns into like, oh, here's a verse, here's mm-hmm. a chorus, here's pre-chorus. Yeah. I don't write bridges. I'm not a bridge guy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need a bridge. Forget that. I don't need interludes. I don't need any of that garbage. Give me the verse. Give me maybe a pre-chorus and chorus. That's the meat and potatoes. That's what you need. And if I got a cool hook, if if you're in the rap industry, if you got a cool hook, man, that's what you need, dude. Mm -hmm. And well, in country music, it's the same way if you got that kind of vibe. But, you know, I, I always try to think how... How would this person like, would they feel the same Im- impact that I did from stuff? Do you ever think about that? Like, get the, the listener's reaction to when you write stuff? When you put something, like, okay, yeah. for instance, if you write a song and you put a lyric in there and you go, ooh, someone's, that's going to mm. touch touch a nerve if I say this <laughs> lyric. Am I, am I wrong here? Or? Yeah, I mean, I've. As far as touching She's a nerve She's getting nervous. Goes, no, I'm just kidding. No. I just, I, I don't really think about the listener. Right. It's more about For you. how I want to say uh-huh. it. And if they happen to connect to it, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they might not. And sometimes I've written songs that were so like painfully specific to experiences in my life where... I didn't really leave a lot of room for open interpretation. It's like you sort of imagine the idea. And I was like, people won't like that. And it turned out to be a song people resonated with the most. So those are always happy accidents. And a lot of my political songs, uh, if I touch a nerve, then I feel like I did a good job. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, you Especially wrote it, around here. Yeah, yeah, you wrote it with the intention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To yeah. say my piece, and if they don't like it, then... That's Listen to beauty. someone else. Yeah, that's yeah. the that's the beauty part yeah. about music. It's yeah. up to interpretation. For sure. And I'm not I'm not writing it just to make you feel good. Yeah. I'm writing it because this is what I felt at the moment that I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you take what you want out of it, but there is yeah. sometimes when you do drop a lyric and you go, They're not gonna like this. Mm-hmm. Or they're gonna like this or something. Right. You know what I'm saying though? Yeah. Fate, do you, you, do you, yeah. yeah. I mean I understand, you know, how it how it can be if if being conscious of uh, of how something might be coming across, you know, being coy or something. I feel like Preacher Woman Blues has some lines where it's like, <laughs> you know, it's a little cute, it's a little cute, and they might, you know, they might blush a little bit in the wrong. There's a couple of little back, backhanded compliments I've, in there, yeah. Well, yeah, it's like I've played that in rooms where it definitely didn't play, you know. Double entendre. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so it's, you kind of are somewhat aware of that. I think the trick for being a songwriter, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Maybe. Tell us, give us the well, secret. Well, I don't man. know. You know, that sounds yeah. a little like sermon from the Mountie. But no. you know, I think you got to be careful of worrying too much about what they're gonna think. You know, exactly. because it can corrupt. I mean, I've let it. It can corrupt your process to where you're like, well, that's not like a bombastic moment. You know, it's like let's make one. And it's not every song needs to have a top forty treatment. You no, know? it's it's good to stay true to the song. Mm-hmm. And you know, follow that where it goes instead of trying to imagine how it might be interpreted. You know? Right. You want to keep real at the end of the day. Yeah. You want to be honest with yourself, and yeah. you know, and, and again, let the listener do what you need to do. Mm-hmm. So as far as going into the studio to put these songs in an arrangement, um, I'll ask you first because you guys both have had records separate too. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this, Melanie. So 
when you go with a, with a, a record, do you go, hey, I know I want to open the record with this song, and then I kind of want to hide this song like in the middle or towards the end? Do you build it like that, or how do you how do you go about it? Yeah, I think so. Um, historically, when I've when I've made the records, I've just recorded them out of order, and then slowly I start to think about what would be, you know, what harmonically makes sense to go from one song to the next, uh, lyrically, the, the subject matter that I'm writing about. Because um, you want it to flow? Or? Yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. And so, like... Allegoria mm-hmm. and Honey Locust both great records. Well, thanks. I'm just gonna thanks. put that mm-hmm. in there. <laughs> um, but they both open with what I felt was like an introductory song. Like you're gonna hear about this for most of the album, so get ready. Sit down, so, son. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you a story. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. and then it, you know, I'll sort of conclude in the same way, and then. If I can make it, you know, and normally if I'm going to make a record, all of the songs do have some sort of glue that puts them together. Mm-hmm. And so I won't include this one or will include that one, you know. Uh, and so sometimes it just falls out naturally because all of them are related. And then it's just how you order them. Right. Yeah. Would you say that you do the same or is it different? Yeah, uh, it depends on the project, I think, right. you know. Um, like the first record. The first record was just vomit. <laughs> it's just what I. It's, just, it's literally just Come what I had on. ready at the time. How I think dare I wrote, you? I mean, there's some. Here's the thing. There's some good songs on there. There truly. is. There, there's some some pretty good songs on there. I wasn't really ready to go into a studio and record them, but it, I had a great time doing it, and I learned a lot. And Leonard, the band behind me, was just its own treat and learning experience getting to work with people like that if, if i could just interject oh, just, yeah. just real quick and then you can finish your thought i sent fate a message in messenger and mm-hmm. i said oh hey and i felt so nervous like messaging him because you know i just i always looked at you as this figure like you couldn't talk to him yeah, yeah just, i, I don't know the like the same way the first time yeah I like kind of kind of one of those I dudes have that impression on people that i'm unapproachable <laughs> no, no i just, just so yeah cool. you're just like yeah you were like really so cool, cool and, and so like authentic talented. and i was yeah. like ah oh, jeez like, so i'm I, not authentic enough to yeah talk to i'm not a cool enough musician <laughs> to talk with you spit out my coffee. oh sorry yeah spit takes <laughs> on here yeah so no yeah. i sent him a message and i said hey um, my name's Josh. I just bought your record at Piper's. I feel um, like I remember that. Yeah, and That's I was so like, cool. I was like, oh man, it's, it's so good. I was listening to it in my car, and literally when I got in the car, because I worked for Boar's Head and I drove around, I had mm-hmm. that record in there on repeat for like weeks. That's and I so thought, cool. this is somebody I know, or I don't know, I don't know them, but we're in music community. Yeah. And I was like, dude, I'm just gonna reach out. I'm gonna throw it out there, like, dude, I like your record, and blah blah. blah. Mm-hmm. And he sent back. He goes, he goes, Th- thanks, man. I really appreciate that, but it was just, but it was something short and sweet. But yeah, I was man. like, I was like, yeah. dude, he responded. That was so cool. And I told my friends, I told Sean, and I think I told some other people. I said, Fate just said, said he, he appreciated that. You know? Man, I guarantee you, I got it on the other end and just felt, I don't know, like I'm always kind of am a recluse from compliments, and that sounds <laughs> stupid and arbitrary. No, and it's annoying, hard, you it's, know. Yeah, but it's just. I, just how I I didn't have a background in performance. I played baseball, which is its own performance, and I didn't hey, think about it that okay. way growing up. Yeah, it is. But whenever you branch into what's pretty much strictly an arts, if you step onto a stage, you right. know what I mean? That was a whole different dynamic for me. So whenever you really want to connect with people, but when they start 
throwing it back to you, giving that love back, I didn't know how. I still don't really know how to deal with it. It's Nobody sort of, does. I sort of separate from it a little bit, and it's probably not healthy, but it's just. I don't know how else to handle it, you know? And I don't get it so much that it's overwhelming. It's not like people are beating me down. <laughs> you know, I can't You're even so get in my good. house. Yeah. <laughs> enough, enough. It's not that bad. They're throwing bricks through your window yeah. with, like, love would, letters, like, I love you, fate. Yeah. I, would, I would welcome it, yeah. yeah. You know? um, no, but it's still strange, you know? It's, it's a weird, weird thing to try to navigate because you want to make sure that, you know, if your stuff really registered with them on that level, you want to return that favor. You know yeah. what I mean? You want to know that they're seen and appreciated yeah. on that same level, and yeah. it's hard to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. So what I was saying is the uh, how do you arrange your records? Yeah. The first one you said is vomit, the quote-unquote. Oh That's God. terrible, dude. That's... It was just it came out the way it did. You okay. Know? Like, it was just those were the ten songs. I wrote the last song for the record. I wanted to have ten songs. So it was important to me to have, you know, around ten for the first album. Mm-hmm. And so I had, I guess, nine that I felt good about doing. And then the last one I wrote for the album, which was a fun exercise, but I didn't really have a lot in mind in terms of arrangement because it would go so many different places. I was deliberate about if one song was acoustic, the next one's electric because it was doing that the whole time. And it was to me, it was like, well, if they get three acoustic songs and then three electric songs, they might be like, where's this going? You know, so I tried to make sure and deliberately you know, scatter them throughout and kind of pepper them. And Diesel Palomino, the second album, was much more deliberate as far as track listing. That one was like, you're kind of going through it for the first three. The fourth one is a turning point, and then the last... Uh, three or taking you home kind of thing. It's a uh, journey. That record's a journey. It's yeah. so good. Yeah. Well, thank it's, you. It's I, was, I was a lot more conscious about the video the was theme. good. Yeah. Uh, the video yeah, was, was real good. Fun. That yeah, turned out really good. LBL, yeah. Man, he was in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I baptized fate. She yeah. did, and it was so cold. Lake. That was <laughs> one. Oh, was it really? It was okay. freezing, dude. That was a one take wonder. I was like, whatever you get, you get, because I'm not doing that scene twice, dude. Crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty cold. My knee, I had like high galoshes on, you know, but yeah. all the water got in and my knees were just frozen and numb. Yeah. It was pretty wild. He dunked me all the way under. I know, yeah. <laughs> I was like, my legs were really cold. <laughs> I got dunked all the way under. Yeah, but that, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that first record, I, I really enjoyed that. And I don't yeah. know if well, I... I appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, I just yeah. tell I mean, you to you your know. face. I, re- I really in- enjoyed that record. And Diesel Palomino, when you, when you posted that, you know, it's on streaming, you mm-hmm. know. I was like, dude, I got to go check that out. I hit that thing hard. I listened to that a bunch. And then yeah. when that video was released, I watched that a couple of times. Just saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But but yeah, I, I so really... you're the person that's watched it. <laughs> that's, that's me a uh, hundred times, yes. No, I, I watched it quite a bit. But also just just the, the way, the, dyna- the dynamic uh, of how you... Play, the way you write, I love the way you write, and I love the things that you do. I well, appreciate it. And uh, you know, and and Melanie, the the last video you did for uh, I, I, light bulb I, stars. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was cool. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Casper Brightside Boulevard out of Paducah did that. Mm-hmm. Um, did he do the other video too? No, uh, that was. What for a memory? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, from Allegoria. Yeah, that mm-hmm. was what year was that? That was 2019. Okay. Did he do that yeah. one too? No. He no, that didn't. was somebody. Okay, that yeah. was somebody else. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, that was cool too. Yeah. yeah, yeah thank yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. The the light bulb stars one was, I told Casper I was like I have a month basically before I need it, 
and there will be three of me the whole time. <laughs> Do you even want to know anything else about it? And he was like, yeah, sure. And he had just started messing around with cloning. He had a video where he had cloned himself, too. Oh, yeah. Um it was great. Super diligent. Like Those are fun videos to do, by the way. I used yeah. to do work in the business, so yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. it was very nerve-wracking. Like, two days before the shoot, I was like, oh my god, I'm, I have to act again. Like, no one else is going to be here. I got to sell it. So that was a little... I had some late night. Like, ah. But it was a lot of fun. Freak out moments? Yeah, yeah. I had more yeah, yeah. fun uh, doing it than I did preparing for it. Yeah, yeah, because there was a lot logistically to consider because you have to yeah. do everything in one location for yep. one character yep. and then the next character and then, and then yep. move locations and yep. it was like all right so there is actually a deliberate way this has to be done to make mm-hmm. the most sense you know yeah it has yeah. to be shot a certain way in order to make oh, yeah. sense because you know you have to you have to cut the scene in half so like this is you in this scene this is you in the same scene mm-hmm. and it can't it can't cut into yep. that frame. Right, oh, yeah. So, yeah. And they yeah. have to yeah. interact with each other at yeah. the same time. We yeah. had a, a second-by-second second outline for that video. Mm-hmm. And luckily, it was only 2 minutes and 30 seconds for a song, if it had been any longer. Yeah. Like, and let's get a different idea. Five yeah. or six hours of filming to get yeah. that 2 minutes and 30 seconds is crazy. Um, mm-hmm. Of course. That's oh, yeah. how all that prep goes. I shot music videos for rap for rappers. <laughs> yeah. Dude, we'd shoot two days and it'd be a three minute video. Mm. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? How, how does that go into <laughs> yep. it? So, let me ask you this. So, um, you guys just came off tour mm-hmm. um, and you had Daniel Healy on drums with you. Heck Who was yeah. the, uh, the bass player that you had? My brother, Tom Davis. Okay. Yep. Okay. He, uh, he's based out of Columbus and okay. he's a very busy musician, like full time, five days a week. Good for him. Super awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, same brother who's been playing since high school, so he's just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. And very good. luckily, he is my brother because he was cool with driving by himself, going back and forth between the tour dates and his own dates that were already booked he couldn't get out of. Goodness uh, gracious. And was just driving all over God's green yeah. earth just to play music with us. Mm-hmm. And he's... A killer bassist, like yeah. so good. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. How was that? How was that tour? It Did was it so run smoothly, fun. or was there any hiccups? I mean, there's always hiccups if you're going on tour. But. Yeah. we ran into two tornadoes mm-hmm. at different times. Uh, yeah. Not literally into them, but not pretty close. Into them. Oh yeah, thank Very you. Very approximate. <laughs> yeah. You for clarifying there, Faith. Yeah, yeah. we were, I think we had made it. Yeah. Um, it was my first time booking a, a tour like that, and we did some very strenuous stuff I would never do again. We okay. had a Nashville show on yeah. Sunday, very late. Uh, Monday, we had a lunchtime performance at WDVX. BVX? WDVX, yeah. yeah. Based out of Knoxville, their Blue Plate special. Super awesome. Um, cool. It's a really neat yeah. thing to play. It's a cool gig. Yeah. But then... So from Nashville to Knoxville, first thing, and then down to Atlanta to play a show that night. That was crazy. Yeah, so we had like Knoxville at lunchtime and Atlanta that evening. So it was just a qu- pretty quick turnaround and then horrible weather. Horrible. Like, the worst weather I've ever had to drive in. In a van. Oh, in and a then van. a line In high winds. Like, we were broadside to the wind at one point, trying to turn on to, uh, into a gas station because we were on the interstate and like chunks of tree were flying off, like huge bushels of leaves. And fate was like, should we pull over? And I go, yes. <laughs> should and, we stop? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so that was the first tornado. We made yeah. it out. And then uh, 
flash flooded in Atlanta that night when we finally got there. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the second tornado was in New Jersey, which is historically yeah. not a normal thing for New Jersey to have, apparently. It's They're breaking New records. Jersey, though. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> yeah. and we were camping that weekend. Okay. And the very nice woman from the River Rat Club, Kate, um, I was asking her, like, where should we go? I mean, you know, is are we okay to be in the van? And she goes, yeah, you should be fine. Just make sure you're not under any trees. And we're literally camping in the forest. I'm like, well, there mm-hmm. are a lot of trees around well, where Let me we tell are. you something, lady. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And these trees um, are very tall. And very tall. so we got a hotel in a town over, a hotel room, and yeah. there a tornado did go through mm-hmm. that uh, campsite. Yeah, we got an emergency alert at like 3 that morning that woke everybody up saying there's a tornado in our area. You know, it was like the phone starts Mm -hmm. banging. And I looked out the window and it looked insane. Like trees bending well beyond what you thought they could. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, it's here. Like, what? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What do we do? It looks like it's on top of us. Yeah, I've never been in a hotel. I'm like, will they call us (laughs) to let us know to go to the basement? Hey, uh, there's bad weather. You should go downstairs. We're on the fifth story of this building. Like, not the place we should be. No. There will be coffee and donuts in the lobby. Yeah, Yeah. right. We're going to give you a hug to calm you down. But other than the tornadoes, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was a blast. All the shows went great. Like, it was... Okay, well, I got to ask, though. Yeah. I got to ask. What was the best city? Worst city? Ooh. Ooh. Mine are ready. Mine are ready. I'll let you answer. You oh, okay. So Melanie first. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it's not so much uh, disclaimer. It's okay, not so much yeah. a reflection no, on no, the no, city as the no. time that we had there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank, thank you, Faith. It'll be interesting if they're the same. So I would say our best show... Um, Drum roll, please. Yes, was in... Cape Girardeau, Missouri at Spectrum Records. I would okay. agree. Yeah. It that sounds was, cool. We walked in and were greeted by the owners, Travis and Parker, and they were the sweetest, most accommodating, welcoming. Like, they came outside to carry our gear in. No sound guy. Like, the owner. Not, like, yeah. the bartender, just the sound guy, but, like, the owner is helping us schlep gear, and it was like, what? Yeah. Duh. And, like, really insisting on it, because we yeah. tried to be like, don't worry. Yeah, we happens. usually turn that down. It's yeah. Like, no, yeah. Yeah. And he, I got this. Yeah, he really <laughs> wanted to help and was so kind, and it was it was really warm and really sweet. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the, the best show, I think. And then... Uh, the worst show. <laughs> Nothing against this city or the venue because the venue is very, very. The venue cool. is if it's what I'm thinking. Yeah. So we played a show in Raleigh, mm-hmm. on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, those were my two, man. Oh yeah. man, those were my two. Yeah. We played a show. You guys are married. Yeah. <laughs> it was a Wednesday. Oh. And I've I've never oh. played. Yeah, I've never Hump played day. Raleigh Got before. It. Yeah. 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 The venue was a very cool hole-in-the-wall gay bar. Like, literally, if you didn't know that a bar was back there, it's, like, on the back of a building. Google Maps takes you to the front of this building on the other side of the block. Then my comment makes sense. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. (laughs) And so I don't blame the venue. I blame the weekday and just... We'd never been to Raleigh before. It was kind of a... Yeah, there was a few things working against us. Yeah. It was... 
it was a little like the bar was super cool, you yeah. know. And I was it, as soon as we walked in, I was like, heck yeah, this is mm-hmm. gonna be really cool, you know. But just, I just no had one a nice, up. <laughs> nice feel. Yeah, but yeah, nobody came. Not literally, a <laughs> literally, there was uh, three people came during like the last band set. I think it was. Yeah. And which was us actually. Yes. Yeah. So we did. Yeah, but there was a karaoke event later that night. Um, and so people came out for karaoke. Yeah. I'm sure they had a great time. Well, and the night before, both both of the bands we played with had played like a huge show the night before for yeah. someone that was moving. Yeah. It was like a last hurrah kind of thing. It was the guy playing with yeah, us. Okay. Yeah, okay. So they had played a huge show the night before that everybody was at. And, and it was like, this is my last show in Raleigh. And know? then he's playing again the next night, you know. So it was it, it was yeah. just an off night in a lot of ways. But we, we just got a little... Logistically, it was a little difficult because there wasn't a sound person, right? And we didn't have complete control over the PA, you know. So it was it was kind of tricky to to get off the ground, you know, to like yeah. have a show to literally start checking levels and stuff. Was mm-hmm. even that was kind of a little bit of a little bit of a headache, but yeah. we made the most of it. We and had, the venue you know, was so very nice and also apologetic. Like they knew that that was not their normal turnout. It's just. You run into those shows. Yeah. It's just how it just goes. Just part of it. Yeah. I would go back on like a weekend night maybe and yeah. try again. Not on know? a Wednesday. Yeah. 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 Ixnay on the Wednesday. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. The beginning yeah. of the week is very difficult to book. Mm-hmm. So the start of the tour, mm-hmm. it started on, on a high point though. Oh, yeah. It, start, it yeah. was like, oh, was all great. right, we, this is going to be good. Go. This is going to be yeah. awesome. And then when you got back, was that a good welcome return off of that tour? Oh, yeah. We had, um, so it was funny because we spent three weeks being, you know, just a band on a bill and we'd have an hour set where we can cherry pick the best of the best. You know, people are there to see the bands. And then we ended the tour with two back-to-back jukebox gigs, where it's like three hours, you're playing for people who are drinking wine or eating dinner. And so that was like, welcome home, you working musician, you know, like, get back in there. Nobody cares about your new album. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, you came you out play? with something new? Cool, play yeah. three hours. Yeah, yeah we don't like, care about you. Also play covers, please. Play something I know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, yeah, and... Yeah. And and as as we all know, you have to do covers to get them in the door. But then For you sure. sprinkle your originals in there. And then yeah. the cool thing is, though, when you do an original and someone comes up and goes, "Yeah, what what band does that?" And you go, "Me. Yeah. That's yeah. that's my, my band. Yeah, yeah, my band does it. Back up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I but, I yeah. I think." Uh, it's exciting when I hear uh, people go out on tour because that takes a lot of brass uh, to do that. Yeah, um, it's a lot of trust with the people that you're with, and. Mm-hmm. Um, just you don't know if it's going to be safe where you're going it's just there's a lot of factors in it oh yeah no i was a big old ball of stress before um and i should say our last show of tour was a terrapin and Mm -hmm. it was awesome you know so that was the real homecoming and that was really good yeah that was didn't want to say that we ended it no yeah we had a couple of gigs um yeah around there yeah that was that was without your brother though i Mm -hmm. feel like the shows with your brother were like the real Mm-hmm. you know full experience because i would i would change my parts based on whether or not he was there yeah because there's so much low end that disappears and i can't really make up for that on the guitar but i can play fuller chords oh, at yeah. different moments yeah, if, yeah. if it's not going to be there so yeah. it was having him there was like all right now i go back to my main parts that i'm playing you know. the yeah. gallery x show you guys played was amazing that's that fun, awesome. and yeah. it sounds good in that room. It's surprising. I don't know it's how. Very but I don't really don't understand that, yeah. but it but it sounds incredible. Yeah, it's yeah. really not too bad. 
But yeah. um, so what's what's going on now? Like what? What you got? Well, you got the family bags. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tell me about that. How did or how did it start? I should. Yeah, it's Brian Raider, yep. uh, Leonard's Who? band. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. Who's that guy? Yeah. Oh, man. No, he's uh, he. Leonard hung it up a little while back, and oh, he wanted beautiful. to keep the wheels turning. Yeah. So he he hollered at us to see if we wanted to be a part of it. And originally, mm-hmm. um, I was going to be playing guitar. Melanie was going to be singing. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe doing aux percussion or something, but. The bassist uh, didn't show up for the recording session because he booked a recording session before we had anything, before we had really done much, you know. Yeah. Maybe we had rehearsed those songs. No, no we it was, yeah. he was just inviting us to the studio and we were like, Brian, can you give us some direction? Like, what, <laughs> what to expect? He's like, no, nah, we'll just figure it out. Yeah. Oh my it's God. Like, I need to know what instrument to bring, dude. <laughs> yeah. I need, yeah, to, I need a little bit of that. Yeah, yeah, we got to know. We did. But yeah, yeah, yeah we showed up out. and Melanie ended up playing bass because the bassist didn't show up and, you know, kind of important part of the band. So yeah. she uh, played bass on that session and did a great job and she's just kept at it since, you know. Yeah. Well, also, I, I totally glazed over it and I apologize. You did the Black Eyed Susans, yeah. which was mm-hmm. another another great thing that you okay. did with Stephanie and Kayla. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, Great harmonies, some of the best harmonies that I've heard in a long time. Oh, yeah. thank you. Because I start thinking about like the weather station and yeah. stuff, you know, stuff like that, and I'm like, God, dude, that's so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, you had experience playing bass because you you guys would switch around a lot of instruments yep. in that. So yeah, mm-hmm. that was if I hadn't have had that experience, I don't think I would have been anywhere near as willing to pick up the bass. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Because the Black Eyed Susan stuff was a lot more folk oriented, mm-hmm. like straightforward. Yeah. I really only played the bass in the key of C or A minor. That was, <laughs> it just so happened. Do you happened. need anything else? <laughs> I mean, right, it's, right. That's it. But, yeah. you know, Brian's stuff is amazing because of its complexity. So that was a little like, yeah, Brian, yeah they're not yeah. simple songs no. by yeah. any means. They're beautiful. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, when you really dig into them and learn them, they really just kind of open up. Yeah. in front of you it's they're beautiful songs but they're not simple so stepping into it even just as guitar which is my main instrument was you know it's been a challenge i i love it and i enjoy it but i'm constantly kind of trying to refine my parts in that group you know? yeah mm-hmm. so um with the uh introduction of ian in there what because we were, we were just mm-hmm. talking about him off mic but yeah that dude Beast. Yeah, well, and I would argue that Danny is as good on the drums as Ian oh, is. Oh yeah, Ian's. so you yeah. get like those two in the same room. You could yeah. you could lock them in a room for an hour and have an album. I'm not kidding. Those guys are mm-hmm. you know they just they feed off of each other really well. It's yeah. it's cool to be around. You know, yeah. the way our rehearsal space is set up, they are directly in front of each other, and they're just good. having yeah. some. Mind conversations the whole time. Man. You know, me, Brian, and Faye, I feel like we all have our eyes closed a lot. Yeah. We're just like jamming, and they're like, yeah. they're in the zone together. No, but Ian's a, a, a real talent. That guy could take off with anybody on tour tomorrow, and I would not be surprised. Any, oh, yeah. You know, like pretty much anybody. He's very, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, very he good. played with Steven's group yeah. over, mm-hmm. over the, That's right. at the Beer Fest. Yeah, I saw that. And, uh, dude, he just jump in there and just. Just play. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's talent. You know, mm-hmm. that's talent to me. I, I yeah. had a had a drummer back in uh, high school. We had a band. His name was Sean Bishop. Man, I hope I hope he hears this. That mm-hmm. dude, he was a metronome. The yeah. dude was yeah. a freak of nature. Like yeah. mm-hmm. we could give him stuff because back then we were 
doing covers of like Pantera and Metallica and Megadeth, and that's what mm-hmm. you did Love in the it. '90s. And yeah. You know, just <laughs> so like we would give him that. And we're like, dude, we want to learn this, and he's like, all right, cool. He's like, uh, next weekend I'll have it. And we're like, okay, yeah, we'll have it, yeah. sure. And we would come back. He's like, all right, I'll count. I'll count you guys in. And he would do it, and we would stop playing and go. We we don't even know the rest. Of, we don't know the whole song. <laughs> yeah. We haven't learned. Yeah, we haven't learned yeah. all of it, man. We know like the intro and maybe the chorus. And he's like, oh, okay, well here's the timing for it and he, he would pat it out and I was mm-hmm. like you're not a real person you're not <laughs> yeah. a real person yeah. and, and, but it's it's good to have musicians that are like really good because you can learn from them and you oh, can yeah. feed off of them oh, yeah. and there's you know a lot of guitarists that I that I around here that I look at and go oh wow then yeah. there's singers that I look at like Ryan Gilchrist I love Ryan Gilchrist he, mm-hmm. he's mm-hmm. an attractive dude and but the <laughs> other thing is he's just he's talented Oh yeah, he's yeah. just a talented he's, he's dude. He's an amazing singer, and yeah. performer. He's a great front man. He yeah. puts on a, a really good show, solo or with a band. Yeah, he, he brings mm-hmm. it. He's right. that guy. So yeah. the family bags. When are, when are you guys playing again? Uh, Friday. At, Friday. Uh, yeah. Friday the seventeenth. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's uh, right. I saw Tom it. Browns and yeah. Marion. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we'll have uh, a friends giving. Show speaking of Ryan Gilchrist at PBW. Yeah, King Kaiju. Yeah, King Kaiju yeah. and Bronze Fawns. I don't okay. know them. Yeah, I'm not I sure don't. I feel like we might know the people, but I can't remember who is in it. Yeah, that'll yeah. be our first time. That's the 25th. Uh, yeah, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. That'll be our first time. What? Sorry. Oh, playing with them. Oh yeah, Bronze Fawns, yeah, yeah, Bronze Fawns. That'll yeah. be cool. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. So PBW. the the last record you did. Um, how did that go? It went really well. Um, I had the ideas for a while and I just got it in my head. You know, a lot of the, uh, musicians that I look up to were members of the 27 club as, you know, they were all so great. It's hard not to idolize people from that group. And so as a musician, I felt all weird about that age and I wanted to release Honey Locust specifically uh, in that age, you know, astrologically speaking, if you if you like the woo-woo stuff of horoscopes, 27 is a year where you confront a lot of difficulty in your life. And I feel like I did. 27 was uh, tough in a lot of ways. Hmm. Um, it was hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. And so that was, we recorded it at home. And so the start of 2023, we just set aside a few weekends and we're like we're gonna be in the studio all weekend there was one day we worked from like nine to ten like a.m to p.m nine to ten that, that <laughs> one, one hour, hour was working busy. nine to ten yeah exactly <laughs> uh-huh. yeah just sort of hold up and and spit it all out because it was all uh fate in me on all the instruments mm-hmm. who recorded it where did you do it it was, uh, it was fate. Home. Yeah, yeah we did it on the it. oh that's Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. We got That's a right. Tascam Model 16 during COVID. Yeah. During the pandemic lockdown, we bought that. And COVID did a lot a... for music. If you <laughs> yeah. really want to get down to it. Oh, yeah. It, it made was, us uh... have to get a little creative and get out of yeah. our uh, our comfort zones of letting people into our households while we did shows on Facebook. Because I know I did two of them. And oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. We, oh, yeah. All, we did we some all did. of that. Yeah. And they were a lot of fun. I'm sorry, yeah. but those were a lot of fun. As sad really, as sad yeah. as those times were, yeah. that was pretty fun. No, yeah. you know, I very much don't wish for another pandemic. Oh, but no, that I, no was I'm not trying least... to. That's not what I'm saying. <laughs> no, yeah, but like that was probably the least stressed and most musically 
I don't know, just, you have the freedom, you're not working your day job and then getting home, eating dinner and then being too tired to do anything, you know? I think fate and I had a conversation like Goldenrod about that, how he was like, it was freeing for us to Mm -hmm. just kind of write music and not have to like rush to get to a show. It was like, we could just focus on it. Yeah. Your time was your own. I I put out an album pretty early on Mm -hmm. and that was the time we had. And that was not on the, as good a gear as we had. (laughs) It was a, well, but then later that year was dear diary. Do you hate me? Mm -hmm. That was, that was on the task. Mm -hmm. It was the first one we did on there. It was, it's, yeah, it's been, and that was nice as well. Oh, thanks. Production value. Very nice too. Yeah. Oh, heck yeah, yeah. it's only getting better, you know, like where all of them have been experiments in their own right, mm-hmm. um, which has been cool. Dear Diary, too, we, we did a lot more instrumentation experimentation than we did with Honey Locust. I've had a yeah. clearer idea of what I wanted that record to be. Yeah, Honey Locust felt like you had the guardrail set up pretty well for that one going into it, and it yeah. was a pretty streamlined effort, you know, like we, you know, it, it wasn't. I have no idea what I want this song to sound like. They would open up in different ways, kind of incidentally, you know, in the moment. But mm-hmm. also, it was very, you know, you had a good idea of what you wanted out of it going mm-hmm. into it. Right. So, what's the what's the future hold? I, I know you guys have the medicine thing. That was we haven't more done that a, in a while. Yeah, yeah, that was like a COVID thing. We were wanting to oh again to okay. do like yeah. backyard shows for people where they could socially distance from us and each other if they had people come. You know, like right. all be outside and we yeah. would, we would gig. We did a few of those, and then how was the response <laughs> to it? It was good. Yeah, honestly, I mean, it was fun. fine. Yeah. We we went to local businesses and spent. Um, with some money buying their merch and then would like resell it and be like, this is where this is from, you know, like not taking a mark on it, just getting their stuff to people kind of mm-hmm. like a little pop-up shop cool, sort of thing. Yeah. So like Buff City and Terrapin yeah. we and got some stuff from them. Right. We still have a huge box of soap from Buff if City. If anyone wants some soap, <laughs> we got, got some soap. So much. Yeah. yeah. I like Buff City soap. Man. Yeah, yeah. No, it's oh, awesome. yeah, no, it's great. But there, yeah, we've, we've got, because we had so much left over because we stopped doing it after a few because Andy would give us those updates, right? And right. he would, at one point talked about backyard gatherings are becoming the number one spreader of, yeah. of COVID. Well, maybe not number one, but they were a significant spreader of COVID. And we couldn't go to people's houses and tell them how to socially distance or how to handle their guests, mm-hmm. you know? So it got to be the only safe thing is to not do it, you know? So yeah. we enjoyed doing it and we wouldn't be inside or in their space, but they would still congregate more than mm-hmm. they probably should, you know. So it was kind of shooting itself in the foot, you know. So yeah. Defeating the purpose. So right. we, we sort of stopped. Did you ever listen to uh, Dave Bazan, you know, from Pedro the Lion? Mm-mm. Okay. Oh, well, I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Dave Bazan did a couch tour. And basically he put out the word like, hey, if you got a couch in a big enough place, well, I'll come play, you know. Mm. You get enough people involved, I'll come do it. Yeah. He did, that was like, he stopped doing like, shows like venue shows and just was doing he wanted personal one-on-one acoustic shows and yeah. then every yeah. once in a while he would do pedro the lion he would bring them but it was just dave Bazan. and i think that's a cool concept mm-hmm. uh, I do too. Yeah, and then yeah. when covid came everybody was like no eh, that right. you can't mm-hmm. do that anymore and then you know the venues went out people were live streaming from the venues mm-hmm. but with nobody in them yeah. that had to have been a scary feeling oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, you know, and no more than we relied on it. We've we've had day jobs as long as we've been musicians. 
it's never been like what we did to get by. It's mm-hmm. really helped. And sometimes it's been the majority of the money we were bringing in, but it's never been like full on, full time. This is what we do to make a living. If that was the case, that would have been a lot scarier, mm-hmm. I would imagine. You know, like, oh, we, especially without like a, the cushion of a major label, you know, oh. if you're on a smaller label or if you're independent, it's like there is really no safety net, you know. So the, I think that the states, especially in Kentucky, they were good about making it easy to obtain unemployment during that time. Mm-hmm. I think. The process was kind of streamlined because what else do you do? It was a crazy time, you know. You gotta gotta have some way to to be able to get by, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and wrapping up, guys, before I get you guys to do some music, yeah. Um, what, where do you, where do you see this going? I mean, what's the what's kind of the end the end goal? Because I mean, I wanna I wanna do a, a record, and I told this to Stephanie, and this is my grand idea is to do a record with all my originals and have the whole record. And this is just going to be an astronomical, like huge project to do. But what I want to do is do the whole record in rainbow colored vinyl with a song on each seven inch. And that's, yeah. <laughs> that's nice. how you buy it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what I wanted to do. Um, just kind of just touch on what you, Melanie, for you, what, yeah. how would, what would you do now? Or like, what's, what's well, going on? Um, I'm in the process of, uh, writing and collecting songs for my next record. Okay. It'll be called Noctalgia, which is uh, from this idea of missing the stars at night because there's so much light pollution, people don't see stars as much anymore. And so the very oh, yeah. modern phenomenon of that has been called Noctalgia. And so that, you know, will follow the same sort of themes about political, social, emotional commentary. Um, and just keeping on doing that you know it's always weird as an independent musician like what like what is the end goal what would be the pinnacle i I know it's a hard question i realize that but yeah it's like as long you gotta make money doing something uh just the nature of human existence now and if i can do that from doing things i'm good at like playing music i'll just keep doing that and i've always written uh and i always will write so i'll just Come up with new things to say, hopefully. And your day job is radio. Radio, and I'm a writer. And a writer, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You uh, do, uh, what is it again? Hit me with it. What do you Uh, do? Write for? for? Oh, so I write uh, for a few different websites. I'll do um, like uh, entertainment content, and then I also write horoscopes. And I just work from home i write all day and then i go to the station at night like a little radio raccoon and radio uh, raccoon and That's then i good. play music not ricky but radio radio, radio. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly it's yep. pretty good mm-hmm. yeah and what about you faith well uh kind of honestly man just get through the back catalog i feel like i have two or three albums of material that hasn't been recorded that i would Sitting like to get stuff? out yeah, yeah i just so, haven't gotten to it in a while kind of deprioritized it for a while and haven't gotten back into the groove of, of playing my original stuff so it'd be good to to dust the you know dust that off a little bit and get at least the first one turned out you know well i look forward to hearing all that stuff and anything new that you guys got well i 
want to tell you guys, I love you both. I've known you guys a long time. I respect you guys as musicians and as people. And I appreciate your time for coming here and doing this. But will you guys play us some music after this? Yeah. We will. All yeah. right, cool. Hey, guys, stick around. This is New Songs Podcast. And I am your host, Josh Brown. And it has been a great, great interview with uh, Fate and Melanie McAfee. And they're going to come back with some music. Stick around.